inexplicably become more harmful. Between the outbreak start and the end of 2012, 337 British Columbians were reported infected, of which two-thirds were Vancouver Island residents, says Eleni Galanis, an epidemiologist at the British Columbia Center for Disease Control. And by 2005, C. gaudii had started making people sick farther south, in the U.S. Pacific Northwest. Since then, at least 100 people in that area have been infected, and 25 to 30 percent of them have died. It's a fairly high mortality rate for an environmentally acquired fungus, says Joseph Heitman, director of the Center for Microbial Pathogenesis at Duke University. For the most part, although these are not AIDS patients, about half had weakened immune systems from prescribed drugs or illness, and many of the rest had common ailments that can weaken immune systems to a lesser extent, such as diabetes or lung, kidney or heart disease. But 20% or more were healthy prior to infection. Many of these patients were completely healthy, spending a lot of time outdoors, and suddenly they were very ill, Heitman adds. Today, the C. gaudii outbreak is giving every indication that it will continue to move south. Immunologist Arturo Casadevall of the Albert Einstein College of Medicine thinks the yeast, fungi growing as single cells instead of long filaments, will ultimately reach Florida. Indeed, the events in British Columbia and the U.S. Pacific Northwest constitute a landmark in the history of human disease. The first known outbreak of a disease caused by a fungus that had suddenly and unexpectedly evolved markedly increased virulence. And another first, it did so in a place where the organism was previously unknown. The C. gaudii story thus raises a disturbing prospect. Healthy humans can no longer assume they are immune to life-threatening outbreaks of newly virulent fungi. Indeed, as global temperatures rise, we may be inviting more. These insights were still far in the future on Vancouver Island in June 2001, where public health officials were about to be blindsided. For disease investigator Murray Fife, then at the British Columbia Center for Disease Control, the first sign that something was amiss was a call from the provincial veterinarian informing him of an unusual increase in cryptococcus infections among dogs and cats on the island. Local physicians confirmed a similar rise in human cases, and tests indicated that the culprit was not the usual Cryptococcus neoformans, but a different fungal species, C. gaudii. The team raided the center's culture collections to see if C. gaudii had been infecting people on Vancouver Island all along and had simply been misidentified as C. neoformans. That turned out to be the case for some infections starting in 1999, but not in any years previous to that. Fife, now a medical health officer at the Vancouver Island Health Authority, took several approaches to pinpointing where the fungus was hiding. In one line of attack, he assembled a team of investigators to look for new cases on the island and throughout British Columbia. The team interviewed patients and owners of infected pets, detailing symptoms and looking for commonalities and risk factors such as previous illnesses or travel and even investigating whether victims had eucalyptus trees in their yards. The fungus had been found living on such trees in Australia, where people had long been sporadically infected with C. gaudii. They plotted cases on a map. 
They compared patients with individuals who did not get sick to see if any differences or trends emerged, a technique called a case control study. To track down C. gaudii in the wild, Fife turned to Karen Bartlett of the University of British Columbia, an expert in the behavior of biological aerosols, such as fungal spores or other particles that can make their way into organisms' airways. Because C. gaudii had been found on eucalyptus trees in Australia, she started by sampling the few specimens that grew on Vancouver Island. But Bartlett's swabs of these and other trees' soil revealed nothing. The case control study yielded no pay dirt either. No environmental factor, say gardening, cutting down trees, or laying down bark mulch, seemed to put island residents at increased risk. The cases were scattered up and down the eastern side of the island with no clear epicenter. What's more, the victims...